welcome to a new episode of Field Days, a podcast about news and hot topics related to the Michigan Department of Corrections. Here are your hosts, Chris Gouts and Greg Straub. Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Field Days. I'm Greg Straub, joined as always by my co-host, Chris Gouts. Chris, how are you today? I am doing utterly fantastic. Utterly fantastic. The big words are flying, and I think I know why you said that, because uh, what was last week? Last week was the State of the State Address, where the governor told us that dad jokes were okay to say, so <laughs> especially about cows, so so that's that's where you get utterly uh, fantastic. How did I know you were going to go there? But uh, you know, before we get to that, Chris, let's talk about last week's podcast with Kathy Arnold. Uh, you know, she covered the probation sentencing specialist pilot, and we've, we've received quite a few uh, emails and feedback that people liked it. They thought they thought it was informative. So I know we can't take the credit for that. We we, we oftentimes take credit for stuff we don't we shouldn't. So let's give credit where credit's due, and that is with Jackson County probation agent Rob Halsey. He sent us an email asking us to get Kathy on to explain the pilot. Um, he's involved in the pilot. He thought it would be beneficial to have others hear um, some of the benefits that are going on. So, you know what, Rob? We really appreciate the advice and the and offering some suggestions. And if anybody else wants to follow Rob's lead, you can send us your suggestions by tweeting uh, using the hashtag AskFieldDays, or you can just send an email to Chris and I, and we'll try to get that on the on the podcast. So now I'll go back to your joke, Chris. <laughs> well, well, the joke's over, but the the state of the state address uh, lives on. Uh, and so we had um, the governor, like we thought uh, la- he would last week when we talked about it on the podcast. He did mention um, the vocational village, and so that was a great, great thing. Uh, it's been a couple years, I think, since we've had as a department a mention uh, in the state of the state address. So it was really great to hear to have him. Uh, you know, he's got a million things he could talk about in an hour long speech, and for him to include us. Uh, what was a real compliment to all the work that uh, the staff ha- does at at, uh, at Ionia, uh, the, you know the the vision that the director had and and all the staff that it takes to pull that off, and so you know without further ado, why don't we take a listen to what the governor had to say uh, last Tuesday night? Really exciting thing going on in Michigan is the vocational village at Ionia, our state prison there. Most inmates will re-enter our communities after they've served their due time. Wouldn't it be wonderful, isn't it better, if we help them have a job as they exit, rather than creating an environment where they may end up creating more crime? We're doing that now. They're actually providing outstanding technical and vocational skills. Things like trucking programs, construction, manufacturing, auto repair. And I own you today, the program's really working. We're seeing people get job offers as they walk out the door before. We're going to expand that program to Jackson this next year and the Women's Huron Valley Correctional Facility. So let's grow this program and help our returning citizens have better opportunities. Well, like I said, again, it, w- it was just great to, to hear that the, the governor give uh, such attention to, to the program and to talk about, you know, where the program's heading next. That was also big, I think, for, for the public and for our staff to see. I was at a meeting the, the day after the speech, and uh, we were talking about it with uh, a bunch of folks uh, outside of uh, MDOC circles, and they were, there was so much interest in, in hearing about it and hearing more about it. Um, and after the speech, uh, the director and I, and Kyle Kaminsky, friend of the pod, uh, were all uh, at a reception uh, for w- with the governor, and he went up to the director and commented to her um, 
about how much applause that the that the line got uh, from the vocational village. It was one of the bigger applause lines uh, of the night. So a lot of people are really interested in hearing uh, about the vocational village, and it was just uh, really great. It was great to see, and it was a great night. And it got picked up in a couple of newspapers. They mentioned uh, the village and their coverage of it. So the more attention we get to that program, the better, because the more employers uh, see it, learn about the program, and get interested, uh, and then come and tour the village, see it for themselves, and uh, and potentially hire some of these guys as they come out. That is that is a very good thing, Chris. And way to way to name drop the governor. Good one, like that. <laughs> I do what I can. I do what I can. Well, uh, something else we wanted to talk about um, was that the uh, the survey is coming up, and we mentioned a couple times, but we want to keep making sure that everybody's aware. February sixth, uh, the survey will start, and you know we really want to answer your questions. So the week before the the uh, survey comes out, we're going to have a, a special podcast where we're going to hear from some folks that are going to answer questions. So if you have questions, um, please, uh, you can send them to us uh, via Twitter at ask, hashtag AskFieldDays, or you can email or call uh, Greg or I, uh, leave us your questions, and we will make sure we get all of those uh, answered. Um, you know, the other big thing, you know, we've done the survey a couple times, but I think What's new for, for for our staff to realize is that this is the first survey that we will have taken since Director Washington has uh, led the department. So it's a great chance uh, for the director and her deputies and all the supervisory staff and everyone in the department to know what our employees think and how they feel about where this department is heading. So I know some people might think it's just another survey, but but it really is different. You know, we really want to see uh, how staff feel now that we're in this new direction with the vendor success and everything that we're doing with the village. And so there's a lot going on, and we want to get feedback uh, from staff. You know, Chris, I would uh, I'd love to take the survey if, if we gave gifts out. That'd be nice. <laughs> well, uh, great great segue because and one of the the new things that we're going to be doing this year is that uh, last year we had we had or the last survey we had we we gave out I think it was pens. Uh, and the survey before that, we had some other things. But this year, uh, any any staff that take the survey or tell us that they've taken the survey are going to receive uh, these really nice-looking small notebooks with the MDOC logo on it. Uh, they're made by MSI. I've seen some of them. They're very sharp. And so uh, I think uh, the staff that we've talked to about it have uh, been really appreciative and really interested in uh, in getting these. They, uh, they'll be a nice, nice keepsake and a nice thing to uh, use either at work or just at home and to show off. Uh, you know the the department. No, you know I, I joke around the gift, but that is actually a very nice gift, and um, I can't wait to take the survey to get one of those now. So, well, you know, Chris, what else we uh, should talk about is we, you know, we got some pretty good media coverage over the past uh, week or so with with the the probation census pilot, and uh, can you talk about that a little more? Sure. So uh, after the uh, the state of the state address uh, the following day, uh, Director Washington uh, did sit down interviews with um, the publications Gongwer and MERS News. So subscribers to those publications can uh, can see her comments and those stories. I know state employees can can get Gongwer. So hopefully. Uh, most people have had a chance to read that. Uh, I thought both stories turned out really well. Um, she talked about, like you said, the PSS pilot. Um, she talked about a variety of different things, you know, the, our contract monitoring unit, the vocational village, um, our prison population, among other things. So if you haven't, if you missed that article, make sure you go and check that out from last week. Um, and then, uh, it's, yeah, like I said, it turned out really well. And then we'll, and like I said before, we also had some really great coverage um, just about the, the governor's mention of the village um, in all those stories. Well, you know, we did talk about the PSS pilot last week, and now we have uh, Lindsay LaMontagne from the Office of Community Corrections to talk about that. So let's go ahead and get to her. Well, Chris, I'm excited today to have on Lindsay LaMontagne. Hello. You know, Lindsay, you started your career with the department in 2000 as a corrections officer, and then you decided to leave us. You left us to go to human services where you worked as worked in CPS, 
And then you found your way back in 2009 as a grant coordinator in community corrections. Uh, Lindsay's now the manager in the Office of Community Corrections and also oversees LCRRP. Welcome to Field Days, Lindsay. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks, Lindsay, for, for coming on. You know, last week we, we talked with Kathy Arnold uh, about the PSS pilot, and we'll get into questions about that, but I wonder if you could first explain, you know, what the role of the Office of Community Corrections is and, and what's the role of the OCC and the PSS pilot. Absolutely. Um, the Office of Community Corrections operates under what's known as Public Act 511, and what that requires is that local areas, whether it be a county or a region, have a community corrections advisory board in place. And from there, they develop comprehensive plans, and they Im- develop and implement programs that will impact upon several different areas. And these areas include their overall prison commitment rate, the group two straddle cell prison commitment rate, or the prison commitment rates for the probation violation population. And that includes both the technical violators and the new sentences. Fortunately, over the past couple years, Public Act 511 has experienced some great changes, um, which has allowed us to work more collaboratively with the local community corrections advisory boards and really focus on offender success and address needs within the area. So the changes that were made to Public Act 511 require that all plans and programs be evidence-based. So again, they're focusing upon the need, there's assessments in place, and that they're addressing the gaps in services. And what it's also allowed us to do is expand programming from pre-trial through post-adjudication. So we, we have been pretty excited over the past couple years with the changes to Public Act 511. And now with the PSS pilot, we're seeing, seeing even some greater changes. And we're really working collaboratively with those local offices to, to identify the needs and address those gaps in services. Well, that's great. Now, so can you talk uh, to staff that maybe don't have a particular program that they feel that they need or, or even have a community corrections advisory board at all? Uh, are there programs still available to these offices? I am happy to say absolutely. One of the changes that we did make um, about two years ago was that probation residential services now is based upon a compass assessment. It is no longer based upon an SGL score. So when we're determining eligibility and allowing those folks in, we are solely looking at the at the compass score and the needs. So we're really focusing on those moderate to high risk offenders. And what we've also done is counties are no longer required to have a community corrections advisory board in place to access those services. All of the counties in the state can now access those services and they can access any provider that we have. So if we have a provider such as KPEP that offers some different services and they would like their offender to go there, but they may not be close, we can set up transportation or the provider will set up transportation and they can still access those services. In the future, what we would like to see that our rural areas, whether they have a community corrections advisory board in place, or maybe they just don't have the numbers for a specific population or a specific program, we would like to see some more regional plans come into place where we can put those numbers together for those smaller counties, or even allow our smaller counties to access services that are available in the larger counties. So we do want to see that collaboration not only from the department to our local offices, but also from county to county. Well, Lindsay, it's good to hear that, um, you know, eligibility is not based on sentencing guidelines anymore. It's based on risk, which it should be. Um, So when did that change? And do you guys agree that's a good change? Absolutely. That is a great change. Um, And we saw its full impact, especially with probation residential services 
in last fiscal year, we had, for the first time, we were able to utilize all of our probation residential services funding, and we expanded those services to a huge amount of people that really needed it and for so long were excluded right. because it was based on a sentencing guideline. Well, that's good. And, you know, as the deputy director in FOA travels around to field offices, you know he does that. Absolutely. Um, he, re- he routinely hears from our field staff that local OCCs are being cut or that the programs are being reduced, and, you, and then you know how it works. I come back usually, he comes back, and we ask you, and we say, <laughs> what's the deal with this? And is Absolutely. this true? Um, is this true, or is this just a myth? Um, I don't want to say that programs have not been reduced or cut, but there is some myth to maybe as why that they were reduced or cut. Again, like I talked about with the changes to Public Act 511 and really what our focus has become, and that's offender success, we're requiring that those plans truly do have an impact on the prison commitment rates and, again, addressing offender success. So while the plans look a bit different, and I know for a lot of years we had plans that truly focused on other programs that may no longer be funded, I don't want to say that they've been cut completely because there still is opportunity to expand programs. And as everybody knows and most everybody listening knows, that we do lapse funding from year to year. So what we've taken upon ourselves to do is look at that funding both monthly and quarterly to see if there's areas where programming is going very, very well and we could expand it. And maybe that funding could be moved to, again, expand those services. Or do we look at the programs that are lapsing funds and say, okay, what can we change to to get the needs addressed and move forward from there? Well, that's interesting because it sounds like we're fine-tuning this process. You know, it's been, around, it's been around for a very, very long time. You know, historically, you know, the, the county's involved and um, you know, there's programs to, 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 release, to relieve some jail pressure. There's the programs to do certain things in the, in the county, at the county level. So it sounds like right now we're, we're trying to fine-tune to get programs that, like, reduce people's risk and really get at the problem of why they're in the criminal justice system in the first place, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so last question for you. What, can you talk about what, um, what does OCC want to see from FOA? Like, what are, what are the things that we're doing right? What are areas that we can improve on? Um, to kind of get in line with you and help OCC out. Absolutely. There are some great things going on throughout the state. And right now, collaboration is huge, especially with the, the PSS pilot and myself and my staff being out in the field. We want to build those those gaps, and we want to make sure that our field staff know that not only can we be contacted, the community, the local community corrections offices are an advocate for them, and they should be utilized. We really want the field staff's voice to be heard when they're voting on these comprehensive plans, or if there's gaps in services, and maybe local providers aren't, aren't recognizing that, to bring us to the table to help advocate for those type of things. Um, we really want field staff to think outside of the box. It's no longer just the, stat- the status quo of what we've done for so many years. We have some great programs such as the RAP program, which I know everybody has heard about. Um, We're doing some opiate-specific program over on the east side of the state, um, which is going great. And we want to start to to look at the gender-specific programming. And again, I keep reiterating going back to those offender needs and focusing on that. But that's truly what needs to happen. There's some great opportunity, and it all starts with collaboration, both from the field and our local community corrections offices. Um, In the near future, I hope to bring our FOA supervisory staff and the local community correction advisory board 
um, managers into the same room and have that meeting and provide the training of what the expectations are and what we would like to look this to look like moving forward. So if I'm a new supervisor or even a, an experienced supervisor and I want you know some backup at a, a CCAB meeting who would I get in contact with or how would I do that? You. I am available through email anytime. Um, if I'm not available to attend a Community Corrections Advisory Board meeting, the grant coordinators, whether it be Molly Maynard or Jeff Westra, they are available. So we are in full support of attending those. You will see us out in the field quite often, and we try to go to those at least annually, but we are always available to attend those. And you guys also have training set up, right, so that they can come to, is it annually, or how does that train Correct. Work? We try to do one large one annually, but we are not opposed to going out at the local level, and we've done that where we work one-on-one -on -one with the county, or if there's some specific stakeholders that would like a, a training, we can absolutely do that. Okay, well, Lindsay, we appreciate your time and coming on field, day, field days today, and kind of explaining what uh, your role is in OCC and what OCC's role is in FOA. So thank you very much for coming out. We enjoyed it. Thank you. All right. As always, thank you for listening. We'd love it if you would help us spread the word about the podcast. You can do that by subscribing to the show on iTunes and leave us a review. You can always follow the department on Facebook at MI Corrections and on Twitter at Michigan DOC, as well as the FOA account at MDOC FOA and the CFA account at MDOC CFA. And you can send any questions you have to the show using the hashtag AskFieldDays. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to Field Days Podcast.